You're listening to the Dreaming and Doing Podcast with your host, Melissa Wessner, a licensed counselor and entrepreneur. If you're a big dreamer who wants to take inspired action in your personal, professional, or business life, you're in the right spot. Hi, and welcome back to the Dreaming and Doing podcast. I am super excited about today's guest. You are in for a treat. Her name is Karen Eldad, and she is a speaker and executive coach. Uh, But even more than that, I think that she is someone who is incredibly smart, witty, and also someone who is incredibly generous. And I'm so glad to have her. Welcome, Karen. Thanks, Melissa. It's so good to be here with you, buddy. So today we're going to be talking about mindset, which I know is a topic that you really love. And it's the start of a new year where people are feeling really excited about their new goals, their aspirations. And I think it's a time when we are filled with excitement around the possibility of what life could be like if we achieve those goals. Mm-hmm. And mindset is going to be really important in that process. So I'm wondering if you can talk with us a little bit about what mindset is, if that's new language for somebody, and the reason that you love it so much. I I would love to. I don't think there's anything other than mindset. You know, I believe very strongly, of course, in all the disciplines, tools, including goals and uh, habit forming, et cetera, et cetera. But without mindset, you really have nothing. A mindset for anyone who's out there and really wants an academic definition is a is a collection of our attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors at any given time. That's a mindset. Your mindset can be very heavily influential on your output. Um, I personally believe it's a hundred percent influential, but of course, some therapists will beg to differ. And if your collection of attitudes says to you, "Yes, we can," and Uh, I'm ready for this and I believe in my worth and I believe in the abundance of opportunities before me, you are very likely to garner positive results. If your attitude or mindset is in a negative state, which is okay, we all wobble sometimes, it's just going to be much less likely. So at the beginning of a new year, when we tend to ask of ourselves for greater heights, when we feel like we want to hit reset and truly refresh into a new year, If that is your state, your mindset is going to determine your outcome. And you know, we know this, Melissa. Uh, I think something like 60 to 80% of the United States set goals or resolutions at the beginning of any year. Uh, As we all know, only 8% make it by the end of the year or have actually seen their goal to fruition. I myself have had years like that. So I can talk about the differences between uh, making it to resolution finish line and not, which are tactical conversations, or I can say that the real difference is going to always be how you see things and how you decide to therefore behave, what actions you take as a result of that. Personally, I'd rather always talk about mindset. Yes. Well, let's do it because I know that you're going to give us a lot of great information. So, you know, at the start of a new year, we start out excited, but as you said, there's a point where the rubber meets the road yeah. and life gets really real and we start to recognize all of the things that we might have to do in order to achieve that goal and to make it come to fruition. And so I'm wondering 
what thoughts do you have on how we can maintain that excitement, continue that, that to access those feelings of creativity and expansion when life is getting real? I'm going to give you two examples, a small example of a quotidian life and a large example of how this affects a business owner. And I know this is going to resonate with you. You and I met in a business owner mastermind, and we'll talk about my own epiphanies around this, which by the way, are continuous. It's not like we graduated and that's it. We figured mindset out. We're good forever. We're always going to meet another upper limit, right? That we have to shatter through. So I'll talk to you on the micro level, on the macro level, and hopefully everybody who's listening is going to benefit immensely. For most people, a resolution is going to be a health-related resolution, a finance-related resolution, of course, a personal life-related resolution. Those are the three dimensions. Finances usually has to do with career or job, right? But it also has to do with money. Let's use the most basic. 42% of the United States begin a diet in January. That's true. And uh, if... 42% begin the journey in January. How fast do they get off the bandwagon of all those positive resolutions about going to the gym and eating healthy? What would your guess be? I don't know. You said 8% make it to the end of the year, but I know that it gets tough real early on. I know. Most of them will quit within two weeks. Wow. The vast majority will quit within two weeks. So by February, we're all back with the delicious cocktails and the yummy snacks and the packaged goods. And of course, it's easy to say, well, food is so delicious, it can't be overcome. However, what really happened is the desire was not big enough, and therefore the mindset was not optimal. The desire was not fully big. And this is an interesting thing. This is where an upper limit comes into play. Most of us think our our desire is enormous. It's unlimited. It's unending, but it's not. Our frame of reference is usually associated with what is, in other words, what our state is right now. So we can only think a couple of steps ahead. This is where we therefore set ourselves a goal. And once after two weeks, we haven't reached that goal and we realize that it's a paltry goal, we think it's not really worth it anyway. This is a very important and critical distinction. Now you're going to see how it applies to a person who's running a business. If you're running a seven-figure business, hi, like us, we can tend to think, well, if you 2X the business, that's fantastic, right? If I even do 10% more, that's fantastic, right? Our margins are a little healthier. We're done. That's an exhausting climb, though. That's such a tactical heavy lift for anybody who's running a business that you, after a while, just go, whatever, it's not worth it. I was fine before. Let's just stay where we are. And this is because our vantage point is exactly where we are, and we can't really see broader than that. But then I started to ask myself when I started to come against these walls a couple of years ago now, a year and a half ago. uh, What's the matter with this vision? Am I doing the same thing that the dieter is doing? And I was. I was only thinking 2x at best. The desire for that was not particularly huge because it's not going to make a huge material difference to my life. I'm Mm. not not therefore imagining myself at a completely different state in a completely transformed existence. And therefore, the sizzle is going to fizzle real quick, right? And then I asked myself, well, what would happen if we 10X? What would happen if we really started to think real big that completely asks you to become a different person, to think like a different person, to take actions that a completely different level would take? And that created a mindset that I have found to be far, far, far more resilient and much more exciting, frankly, because your brain really wants to go there. It wants to be that person. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. And I love that you're saying sometimes we need to dream bigger than whatever initial goal we had that maybe doesn't feel like that would make a, a big difference. Sometimes we need to dream even bigger and to let ourselves go there, which I think is really interesting because, you know, one of the things that so many people talk about is maybe not feeling like they can share their dreams with other people that even if they have a dream that uh, is a big dream for them, that other people maybe try to minimize that dream or think that it's they're being too big. What would you say to that? Well, they're always saying that, right? Like everybody around you is, this is called tall poppy syndrome. It's chopping off the head of the poppy that gets a little too tall. They tell people, for example, it's unrealistic to lose more than one pound a week. It's unrealistic or unhealthy to lose more than one pound a week. It's unsustainable to grow your business at farther uh, at, at a faster pace than is optimal. I'm all for consistency, and I believe in, in habits that last and go the distance. But there is a very big difference between that and a moment of transition in life or a moment of change. In a moment of change, you should ask bigger. Because anything that is marginal will not substantially change your life and therefore will not substantially challenge your identity. You will retain the identity. If you retain the identity and you retain the baseline mindset, you're not going anywhere. You're basically going to just stay here. And again, that's fine if you enjoy comfort zones. But you and I know that actually comfort zones are not so comfortable. And after a while, you're going to be screaming and asking, why the hell am I not moving? And this is why. It's because you're not asking big enough and it's because you're not willing to challenge your identity. You're not, in fact, willing to slay that identity. And, you know, part of slaying that identity, Melissa, as you so well pointed out, is uh, meeting those uh, loving naysayers with uh, compassion but defiance at the same time. In other words, I understand that's how you feel and it's logical that you would feel that way. And I know that you're only trying to help me, but please get out of my way. Yes. Well, and the thing that's coming to mind right now as you're talking about um, slaying that old identity. Yeah. I was listening to some of your podcast episodes this morning before recording, and you were talking about midlife transitions. And so I'm wondering, as we're talking about kind of slaying um, a former identity in order to move into something that's even bigger. Yeah. I'm wondering if that grief process that you talked about in your episode, if that, if you see that showing up with people it's as not- they're moving from their current identity to the desired one, the, the big one. Now, this isn't my theory. Of course, this is Carl Jung's theory and uh, Elliot Jacques theory. And that is that every emotional transition of identity will require or uh, mandate a process of grief, even a teeny tiny one, an accelerated one. But all of five of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's model of grief stages will be present. And those are, of course, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and finally, acceptance. Yes, all grief transitions, all shedding of identity require a transformation of uh, through grief and through a little bit of a shock to the system. That's why none of us want to go. I'll give you two examples. This morning, I made a little video from my Instagram, uh, a coach tip, and it was about the most surprising thing that my dad learned when he was quitting smoking. My dad was a very heavy smoker in the 80s, why I have such delightful asthma to this day. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, dad. I I forgive you. Anyway, uh, he he tried to quit for a very, very long time, tried to quit for a very long time. It didn't stick. It didn't stick. In 1989, 
uh, following the death of his best friend from throat cancer, he finally decided he was going to quit. And he found in the process of quitting that not only was kicking the nicotine habit hard, but he had to quit his lifestyle. All his friends were smokers. Mm -hmm. They all smoked together. He now had to find literally different friends because his social environment was not going to be supportive of this. He had to quit most of his daily routines and habits. This is a form of death. This is the experience of a complete process of renewal. The transition is therefore not just a physical spewing of the toxins. It's a, an emotional graduation. You know, in my case, when I started to confront those demons and I was like, well, something's not working. What is it? I had to kill a former self too. You and I share a very sweet behavioral style. We're sweethearts. There's kind of a problem with that. You can still be really, really a nice, decent person. But when you identify as a real sweetheart, you never want to go big because it's going to be jarring to other people. The people pleasing is going to have to die. Your boundaries are going to have to strengthen up. You know, I used to joke that I had the spine of a gummy worm. Remember that line? Yes. When I heard you say that, I was like, I need to meet her. She is one hilarious, but I was like, I, I need to meet her. We all, some of us truly have been blessed with the spine of a gummy worm and we've been rewarded for it all our lives. So we think if I break this pattern, they won't like me. Well, guess what? They won't. They're not going to be particularly enthused about your desire to 10X. They're not, the old clients will not be particularly enthused about the change of conditions. Some of them will go, but you have to go willingly. You have to go willingly knowing that on the other side is a new, healthy, healed, next level you. And that's okay. That's okay. However, as I did say in the last episode of my coach season, your new life will cost you your old one. There mm -hmm. is no other way. Now, on that note, and, and speaking of your spine of a gummy worm, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I have a feeling that you might not be in that same place today. No. Because I know you've you've done some work yourself, right? Like you said, we're always in this process of growth. And so I'm wondering if you can just talk about maybe where you were and where you are now in that process of of transition. Well, I really I really didn't want to let go of what was working. In business, most of us don't understand that in order to make a 10x transition, by the way, even a 5x transition. I'm just using 10x because it really expands the mind. You're making a seismic shift. You have to let go of about 80% of what's working for you because that won't scale. In other words, you've already exhausted this path. It's not going to go forward. For those of us with the spine of a gummy worm, that's going to be really hard. Uh, I don't like change. I, I would eat the same breakfast every single day of my life, Melissa. I'm just that person. So I don't particularly love it in business. And it took me a while to get here. I really want to preserve it. I feel truly lucky. I feel truly blessed. That's where I was in the beginning of 2023. And we had made strides, but we hadn't made 10x strides. We'd made small strides. Then I realized that what would have to change is actually starting to let go of the 80% that's working. In my case, 70% that was working. For the 30% that was most promising to start to really overtake the business. And I'm happy to tell you, we're standing at the end of a year that has been really, really different. The, uh, the amount of free time I have is radically different now. The quality of the work that I'm doing is radically different now. 
the quality of the contracts and the size of the contracts are radically different. We're heading into 2024 knowing that this is this is just hitting a different stride. And the only thing that had to happen was to strengthen that spine and go for it and do the things I was terrified to do. I love that. And I'm wondering what allowed you to kind of step into the fear and, and lean into it and say, I'm going to do it anyway. This is the, this is what will make everybody's mindset super tight for 2024. Number one, your desire has to be fully big, fully realized, and you have to have the audacity to say it. Most of us will not say things. We'll just say things like, I'm really blessed and I'm very happy and I'm very grateful for where I am. There's a huge guilt uh, that comes with growing, especially past your family of origin and your immediate society. We are all like this. For anybody out there who thinks that they're the exception to the universe, read The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks and just watch. It's a real thing. And so we have to really get not only comfortable with our desire, we have to speak it, we have to allow it to become big because only an enormous desire will trump all the excuses that your ego are going to put into, is going to just kick into high drive. The second part is tactical though. The second part is planning, planning properly, making sure that you're, you're allowing for consistency and for follow through on the other side. And this is where it pays off to be really methodical and just stick to your calendar. In other words, stick to the plan so that you don't dip in your desire. Your desire is the fuel that, that will help you. Now, if your desire is not big enough, I can't make it big enough. If you really think that alcohol is very delicious and I'd rather stay here, have another helping. But if you are so sick of this and you really know what you deserve and you deserve a big and wonderful and amazing life and you know where your talent lies, you will not betray it. I love that. And I'm glad to hear you mention about stuff that can come up about outgrowing your family of origin. And yeah. one of the things that I think about when it comes to mindset is that we might not have an awareness that we're thinking small. We might not have that awareness because maybe the way that I think is the way that everyone in my family thinks. That's right. Um, or just maybe because however I think is how I think and I believe that my thoughts are true because why would I tell myself anything that's untrue? That's right. And so I'm wondering what are some things that people can do that would help them recognize that perhaps some of the thoughts they've been engaging in are not actually um, are not actually helpful. Yeah. Two things. First, all of our families of origin are just succubuses. We love them. It's just really hard to like them. And especially when you start to examine the beliefs that you've been around. My whole life has been around. You don't need that. You don't need that. And you don't need that as a messaging of stay small, stay small, stay in line, stay in line. And my parents always used to say in French, descend de la voiture, get off your high horse, get off the fast car. Don't freak everything out. Leave well enough alone. And leave well enough alone has truly been like a consistent pattern in my life, right? But when you start realizing that sometimes it's okay to have a croissant for breakfast, you don't have to have a yogurt every single day. It's actually nice. The variety is okay. It's not going to kill you. You're going to start to move. So there are two things that anybody can do that are the tactics that work for me. The first is read like your life depends on it. Of course, if you can hire a world-class coach, there is nothing that compares. But the coaching light 
and even therapy light are available in abundance through some of the greatest books out there. And some of the best ones that are, of course, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks to just become aware of where you're not telling the truth, where you're limiting yourself. The Way of Integrity by Martha Beck. You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero, which is, by the way, very hilarious. All the Wealth Consciousness books, all of those are going to start to show you the hiccups, the flaws in your desire. The second thing is, and I I know you're going to agree with me about this, Melissa, because that's how you and I transform too, is hang out with high vibe people, especially people who are far, far ahead of you. A lot of us avoid hanging out with tefillionaires. And I highly recommend that you do it. You know, my growing up, we, we are middle class. My father's best friend is a billionaire. And he used to hang out with him all the time. And he still hangs out with them. It's adorable. They're very old guys who still hang out together. And I said, Dad, doesn't it bother you that he has everything and you're here? And he used to say, no, he has a boat. I get to go on a boat for free. And I want everybody to just think about it that way. Think about the fact that they're, A, opening a portal to a whole universe for you that will really expand your appetite. But two, they will by osmosis subliminally start chilling you the way because they are already thinking differently. In the case of business owners, honestly, Melissa, I think that's fundamental. Like until I started to watch people making strides that in an eight, nine figure business that they were behaving like was as simple as the decision of what to eat for breakfast, I started to think maybe I can too. And that's another thing that expands your appetite, expands your desire, but also subliminally shows you the way. Yes. And, you know, I'm thinking about the story you shared about your dad and needing to be around different people as he was quitting smoking. And, and of course, one of the things that we've talked about in, in our mastermind together is the importance of being around people who are, you know, ahead of you, but also people who are on the same page, who have big dreams that you can share your big dreams with. And yet I've never made the connection. My background, I've worked in drug and alcohol treatment for seven years. And at no point have I kind of made that, have I connected those two things about how in drug and alcohol treatment, we say in recovery, you need to change your people, places, and things. Um, But I haven't necessarily thought about how we might need to change our people in that same language. And Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum too. It's when you're going away from something and when you're going towards something. This, the thing is, any upgrade in your life means leaving something behind. It is a form of identity that has to collapse for a new identity to emerge. And for anybody out there hearing this and thinking, I don't want to change. I'm sorry, but then you won't. Yes. Then you won't. And that's, I mean, if that's your decision, that's fine. I get it. But why not? Your ego is not worthy of you. Your soul wants to go. Let it go. Yes. And for anyone who's wondering, well, okay, but how do I find those people? What would you say? Like, I don't know those people. They're not in my life. Where am I supposed to find them? I mean, I made two big transitions in my life. The first was when I discovered coaching. The second one, I was growing my business. And in both cases, it was plugging into masterminds. My society is, uh, has always been wonderful and supportive and very, very nice, but not particularly equipped to help me and certainly not going for it in all departments of their life. And so I plugged myself into masterminds with groups of people who were literally professing 
to do that and put their money where their mouth was. When you plug into a mastermind group, when you go on a retreat, um, like the ones you and I host, when you uh, go to one of the big seminars, Abraham Hicks, Tony Robbins, whatever, you're going to be surrounded by other freaks who are fully committed to changing their life. And even for a short while, you'll see that that energy uplifts you enormously and can make a tremendous difference to your uh, catharsis and to your ultimate next level. Um, so don't worry, those people do exist. You just have to plug into them. And the second is, again, just surround yourself by the ideas. As you know, I, I, I consider books my friends. I get that that might be a little sad for people, but I really do. I always have thought that books are my friends and they can replace, they can substitute the or counterbalance the ideas around you that are less supportive if you allow them to become part of your life. Yes. And you've given me some great book recommendations. So I have been taking full advantage of those and reading those this past year as well. So I'm thinking about people that I know who have started making decisions to move their life forward. So they've made these decisions to move in a particular direction that they're wanting to go in. And yet they're finding it difficult to do that because they don't yet identify with the person they want to be next, this new identity, and they don't necessarily identify with the people that they have the option of surrounding themselves with, um, kind of moving forward, and because they're still kind of stuck in this old identity, yeah. and old people who are familiar, even though that's not where they want to stay, but there's some imposter syndrome that shows up, and this tendency to like dip their toe in the waters of the new place they're trying to go, but they're still teetering backwards. Yeah. And I'm wondering what your thoughts would be for anyone who's still maybe overly identifying with their old self and maybe experiencing some imposter syndrome as they're moving forward. Well, they should lean into what's really happening. What's really happening is not that they're not fully identified with the object of their desire yet, or not that they're not aware of their desire. It's that they're denying it because the fear is much, much heavier in the desire at this point. They're, they're afraid. What they're concretely afraid of, what is causing the imposter syndrome is the fear of beginning again, being a starter all over again. Again, uh, for most of us, you know, what really sucks is sunken costs. It's just not, it's destroying all that is working about where we are. And let's be honest, we get a lot even out of our bad habits. So when we are ready to just burn that to the ground, we immediately think about what we're going to lose instead of what we're going to gain. For that person, that's purgatory. That's a very common area, as you know, in uh, coaching or in ascent. So a lot of people get stuck in the seventh circle of hell to, to complete the Dante analogy. And they'll take two steps forward, two steps back, two steps forward, two steps back. Um, the only way to, do, to go to the other side is to let go, is to let go of this bargaining phase. By the way, in, they're essentially in the process of grief. They are stuck in bargaining. They want to have their cake and eat it too, have the cake and eat it too. And it's because they're terrified of what comes next. And let me talk concretely about what you need to let go towards. It's not up, sadly, is depression. What they're not willing to experience is the hardship of depression, the letting go of the identity, the letting go of the friends, the letting go of the people and the places and the things, which will cause them true grief, real strife. Like I said before, there's nothing I can do about that. 
you will have to let go. My process of ascent, all of them have been essentially a collapse. And that's why they usually come with those come to Jesus crying on the floor moments, right? Some people cry in the kitchen. I cried in the bathroom. And uh, the only thing that I can say about that that's really good is that at some point you will stop grieving and you will form acceptance with the new state and you will be ready to begin again. And that's a glorious moment. And that gives us some perspective, right? Some, a little bit of a dose of reality, so to speak, right? I think we often talk about growth and growth. I think for many of us, when we think about growth, we're like, that's so exciting. And we have all of these like optimistic feelings. But the reality is that growth involves growing pains. That's right. And we sometimes forget the pain involved in growth. Yeah. No one has ever fallen ass back into success. And when everybody looks at, I don't know, the last seven years of my life, the business is about to be seven, it looks like a big linear trajectory. But nobody goes up without going down. Nobody. That's the way up. And so you have to be prepared for it. And hopefully by being prepared for it, you will go more willingly. You will let it happen. So for anyone who's listening, who's like, yep, yep, that's me. Yep, touching on something and is becoming aware of the work that they might need to do around their own mindset, what are some steps that they might be able to take as a starting point? I love this one exercise that I like to open with for many people out there, especially those who are prone to a high opinion of themselves, high external opinion of themselves like I had before, because I was like, nothing is wrong. Everything is awesome. (laughs) And it's just to start identifying where the gaps are. And uh, what I do is I ask people to write in all departments of their life, write what is right now and write what would be ideal. What would be ideal? What is right now in my primary relationship? What would be ideal in my primary relationship if I were fully happy and fully living at turbocharged capacity? What is my state of business right now? What would it look like if it was fully charged at full capacity? What is my health like now? What it would be like in an ideal state? And this is not about striving for perfectionism. It's simply about identifying the gap between where you are and where your desire is. Most people, if they take the time to really map this out, they will find deltas in their life and it will indicate for them where they may wish to really look and probably what they're probably not letting go of and they might have to shake off. Yes. Well, Karen, one of the things that I've been wondering about everyone I'm talking with here on the podcast is what's a big dream that you have, which I'm really interested in hearing because we're talking about 10 X size goals. So what is a big dream that you have? Well, I mean, at first my big dream for my business is to take it to Abraham Hicks level. I'd like to run seminars that are not just for 35, a hundred people, but for a thousand people at a time. So that's my huge dream for this business. And uh, like Esther, I'm willing to put in the work and see it grow. My immediate dream, though, is to buy a country house for my cat, Moose. She's a really special cat. She doesn't like living in the city. So I hope to buy like an English country house, you know, like the one in the, the movie, The Holiday. Oh, yes. For my little kitty cat where we can retreat for the weekends and she can have just a marvelous time. So hopefully in the next one or two years. We'll close the little dream, and in the next decade, we'll close the big dream. I love that. 
Well, you have given us so much valuable information today. I know that people are just going to love the information that you've shared. And we're going to be sharing all of your information. So for anyone who's listening, who's like, I want to follow her content, I want to learn more, I'm going to include all of your information in the show notes. But I'm so glad that you are willing to join us today. I knew that you'd be a great person to talk to around mindset. Anytime, buddy. It was really wonderful to see you. And it's amazing to see you continue to do incredible things as the amazing business owner and therapist you are. Yes. Thank you for being with us. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Dreaming and Doing podcast. You can connect with Melissa at dreaminganddoing.net. This podcast is intended to provide inspiration and information. It is not a replacement for therapy or coaching, and listening to this podcast does not constitute a professional working relationship with Melissa. If you need therapy or coaching, I encourage you to take that step.